Amen. Let's give a hand clap of praise to the Lord today. Lord, you're worthy, oh God. This is your house today, Lord Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. We bless your holy name. There is none beside you, oh God. Hallelujah. We worship you. Amen. Praise the Lord, church. Amen. You may be seated today. It's wonderful to be here with you in Bethlehem and have the opportunity to share what God has been doing and to, to worship with you and to share with you. I'm thankful to be here. I thank you, Brother Voskis, for your invitation to be here, your hospitality and kindness. And we give honor to your bishop, Brother Wilson, and also Brother Carson. It's good to see him today. Amen. Um, I, I believe it's probably been at, at least 10 years since I've been here. Uh, that's when we first went on the mission field, and God has just tremendously blessed since that time. And he, he calls normal people and gives them special callings. That, that's a powerful thing, that he can just look down to somebody who's from a little town called Medora, Indiana, and that's about the same size as Bethlehem, I believe. You may, you may have a speed a little bit. <laughs> but he can say, I want you to go and teach a message somewhere else. And God, God just uses us and blesses us tremendously. And we're so thankful to be used by God. Amen. That, that's the key. Be used by God. Amen. We, uh, we do live in the city of St. Petersburg, Russia. Me and my wife, Lindsay, and my three children, Harrison, Helena, and Henderson. They, they, our kids have been missionaries each since they've been two months old. So they, they're going to have me beat someday, I believe. But they've, um, they've been over there, and they, 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 they witness at their school. They witness everywhere. But we, uh, God has opened up so many doors in St. Petersburg. We have uh, now we're pastoring a church there. And how that happened, I'll share with you. We had uh, been teaching English language programs for several years in the location where we meet as a church. And we had been... Um, just teaching English constantly, trying to witness. And, and I'll be honest, I got a little frustrated with it because after a couple years and you don't get any fruit from it, you think, well, God, are you, you really in this? And um, I would come home every Sunday and complain that I had to go teach English again and nothing happened. And the people who were helping us organize this, they came and said, we're also having some Bible studies in this area. And um, we'd like for you to come and help us out. We have a group of people and we want to um, baptize them, but nobody wants to get baptized. Maybe, maybe you all can come over. So we're, we're really honestly tired of teaching them and then not getting baptized. Would you like to come over and work there? And we said, well, sure. And, and I went over and, and brother, I, I try to have a good heart, but sometimes it gets inside. I'm like, well, another thing on Sunday. But we went in there and there was 120 people sitting in that room ready and waiting to hear something from God. My goodness, and people started getting baptized. Let me tell you something. You don't know what your efforts will produce. You don't know what even with a bad attitude what your efforts are going to produce. God's going to be able to do something great and make something amazing happen even whenever we don't realize. And we're thankful for what God has been doing. Also, we have a national evangelist that travels throughout Russia, and he um, baptizes and, and preaches the gospel in places that aren't quite ready to have an American missionary. But he um, goes down there and he's baptized people in small little villages in Russia. He's baptized people in Kazakhstan and Armenia. He's preached in Ukraine and Moldova. And it's just been an amazing work of God that he's been using him for. Also, we have a Bible college now. And Brother Vosk has actually come and preached at some of the intensive ones and taught there. And um, we have an on, on our online student base about 200 people 
God's doing a great work through that. People are learning about this wonderful apostolic message through that. And God has been using us so much and been working so much. And I'm sure you've heard of what's been happening in, in Russia recently. But it makes me want to come here and, and tell you that it's not time to stop praying for Russia. Even though politically we don't agree, even though we don't agree with all the things that happen, it's not time to stop praying. There's been 25 years of work going into that work. There's been 25 years of seed planted in that field, and God is not going to just let that sit there. God is going to work and bless and give there an increase. So I ask you, don't, keep, don't stop praying for Russia. Don't stop praying for your brothers and sisters. There are people who have been baptized. There are people that love God like you do. Don't stop praying for them. Amen? Amen. Can we do that today? Can we stand and ask the Lord to just to speak to us and, and ask him to bless those people in Russia? Lord Jesus, we thank you for all you've done. We thank you for your many blessings. We thank you for your love and your mercy. We thank you for your goodness, Lord Jesus, that you've poured upon us, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you would touch the people of Russia, Lord Jesus. Bless those, O oh Lord, who are lost and hurting, O oh God, who have yet to receive salvation. Keep this precious gospel, Lord Jesus. I pray, oh Lord, that you would touch, Lord, the churches of Russia, O oh God, that you would minister to them, that you Bless them, O oh God, in these times of trouble. Lord Jesus, minister and work as only you can. Let there be peace in this nation, Lord Jesus. Let your Holy Spirit, O oh God, move and work in ways we cannot imagine, Lord. We give you glory. We give you honor and praise, Lord. Place a burden upon our hearts this day, we ask. In Jesus' name we pray. I love you, Lord. We give you glory. Amen, amen, amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise today, Lord. You're going to do it. We know you're going to do it, oh, Lord. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. Amen. You can be seated. We have a short video presentation we'd like to show you. Uh, you can see the city of St. Petersburg and, um, and some of the work that the Lord has been doing there. So I pray this is a blessing to you.
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God, for all you've done. We bless your name, Lord Jesus. You're wonderful, oh God. Thank you, Lord. Amen, amen, amen. That, um, that second to the last lady that you saw there, she was 92 years old, and she had um, lived under communism her entire life, and she had no real access to church or to anything like that. She came to one of our services, and something just touched her heart. Said, she said, I, I want this. This is what I've been seeking for. And her and her daughter were both baptized in Jesus' name. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. And there, there are many more stories like that of God just working out miraculous situations for people. And I invite you to stop by our display after service. And we got some pamphlets there. And that explains a little bit more of what we've been doing and what's happening there. And... Um, also, we have some magnets, and just put those on your fridge, and it has our face on them, so don't throw darts at them or anything, but, but if, if you could pray for us and just ask the Lord to, to bless us and help us in our efforts there, I'd appreciate that. Amen. I'd, I'd like to ask my wife to, uh, to come up now. Um, she's going to present a project that we're working on in um, St. Petersburg, and um, I, I, I'm glad, I'm so very glad she's come with me. Amen. I don't want to do it by myself. Amen. God bless. Praise the Lord, church. It's such an honor and a privilege to be here with you um, tonight and just to feel the sweet presence of God. Um, every year that we come back on deputation, they ask that we present a project. This just kind of gives you an idea of what your prayer and support is going towards and something for the future. And I'll be quite honest, this one is um, it's very dear to my heart. Over the last couple of years, God has really begun dealing with us as a family that even though we've been there for 10 years, seems like a lot longer than that, but it's been 10 years, God has begun to call us to, to put down roots and establish ourselves as much as we can in the country of Russia. And we began to look and to, to pray about how, how that could look and, and what we could do as a family. And we began to explore the possibility of residency. And that would allow us to be able to come and go. You know, during COVID, we were stuck. If we left, we could not get back in there and we could not do that to the work there and to the people there because they still need a church. And residency would allow us to be able to come and go as we please. And as we began to explore that option, we began to look at some of the things that could make that more possible for us. And one of the things would be owning property in Russia. And so we began to pray about that and God miraculously opened a door and he provided us with a piece of land just outside of the city of St. Petersburg. So we are now proud owners of a third of an acre of Russian land. Yes. 
And our plan for this land is to build a home, to really establish our family for the long term in Russia. So we have come to ask that you would help us to pray, to help us pray that God would continue to lead us, continue to guide us down this path that we feel that he has us on as we begin this project of, of building a forever home for our family in Russia. So that is what we are working on this deputation. And so please help us pray. Pray that God would go before us in every step of the way because it's a journey that we've never been on before. Not only is it a new home project, it's a new home on foreign soil project. So the logistics of that, you know, we, we need God to go before us in that. So please just help us pray. Help us pray that God would provide, that God would help us to make wise decisions and that he would open every door that he needs us to walk through. So just please help us pray. Keep us in your prayers over the next year or two as we, we take this path that we feel that God has for us. Thank you. Um, I'd like to go ahead and get into the word today if I could. Uh, and I, um, it's hard for me to get behind a pulpit and not, not preach a little bit. I, um, I, I've felt the, the burden of, of just the, the necessity of the word today so much as I was getting ready for service. And I, I, I'm sorry, I, I, I'm not a good presenter. I don't present things well. And I was rushing through it because I, I, I need to get to this. We, we need to talk about this. And um, it's something, if you'll stand with me. Be, uh, this is something that the Lord has given me. And um, something that I have, I have lived through. And something that I, I cannot get out of my system. This is a message that I, I really, it's not been studied, but it's been revelatory and lived. And I, I want to share it with you, and I pray that it will be a, a blessing, and you'll be able to look at some things a bit differently. If you have your Bibles, let's look at um, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Can we just lift our hand for one moment? Lord Jesus, Lord, speak to us, O God. Lord, help us to receive what you would say to us, O God. Amen. It says, we then as workers together with him beseech you also that you receive not the grace of God in vain. For he saith, I have heard thee in a time accepted. And in the day of salvation have I succored thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Giving no offense in anything that the ministry be not blamed. But in all things, can we say all things together? Approving ourselves as the ministers of God. In much patience, we're ministers. In afflictions, what are we? We're ministers. In necessities, we are. In, in distresses, we are. It's a little bit harder after this one. In stripes, we are. 
in imprisonments we are. In torments and labors and watchings and fastings we are. Amen. We're ministers in all things. And for a few moments today, I'd like to share with you this thought of, I've been wounded, but I'm working. I've been wounded, yes. Oh, but I'm working. Amen. Lord Jesus, speak to your church today, Lord. Help us to receive what you would say to your church. Let us be blessed, O God, by what you would have to say. And help me to deliver this word as you have intended it, O God. We give you glory. We give you honor. We give you praise. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated today. About a year ago, I, uh, I prayed a prayer that was kind of dangerous. I prayed to God. I said, I want you to conquer me. I want you to conquer who I am. I want you to conquer everything about me. I want you to conquer my heart, my mind, my flesh. Anything that I cannot conquer myself, I want you to overwhelm me and destroy every stronghold that I have. From that moment on, God began to take me through many different lessons, some hard, some easy, some that were hard trials that I just don't think I would really be prepared for had I known about them in advance. But the really, it culminated all on March 4th, whenever our family was in a debate about what we should do about our state in Russia. The war had already begun, and the war is not a new thing for us in Russia. We have been there for the Georgian invasion, the Crimean invasion, the Chechen war, and we had stayed there with no issues and no worries. It was just a way of life. If you're living in Russia, you're going to go through some wars. And we believed that this would also be the same way, and there would be no difference, and, and we would just go back to business as usual once everything came to a close. But things became very different very rapidly. News was circulating every day, and propaganda was being published every hour. We didn't know what to believe or what was going to happen. All we knew is we were having difficulty accessing our funds, and rumors were the, the order of the day. It was on March 4th that we began talking to, between our family saying, what is it that we should do? We don't want to make a decision out of fear. I mean, you, you, you quote the scripture, God's not giving me the spirit of fear, so surely I can't make that kind of decision. I can't escape. I can't leave. People were calling us and saying, this missionary family has left, and this missionary family has fled, and these people have evacuated, and, and we're all sitting there and not really understanding what we can do. And, and then we get a news article that says that the, the country is going to go into martial law, and all the borders are going to close. And, and we're like, well, if they deport us, then that could mean we're three or five years from getting back in the country. And we were becoming at a point where we were becoming a threat to the church just being there why do you have American pastors and and we came to that conclusion let's not be hasty and about midnight I was I hung up the phone with my dad and I went to lay down but I didn't go to sleep and I lay there and prayed and thought for about two hours until my phone rang once more and dad said do you, do you think maybe we should go right now and I said yeah I said yeah I think that's right and so I went down and got our car ready, and Lindsay woke up the kids and said, we're going on an early vacation. If you ever escape the country, that's what I recommend doing, just say, we're going on an early vacation. 
We loaded up and we got on a car and we started driving towards Finland. And, and there were no buses, no trains, no, no airplanes to be had at the time. And we just drove. It was, a, it was a chilly night. It was about 10 degrees and the snow drifts were up above our car. It was, it was surreal, really. Just looking at you as if you were in an alien landscape. And we got to the Russian borders and, of course, our nerves were on edge but everything went fine God opened doors God sent his angels before us they were kind to us at the border there was no issues there and we got across to the finish side and and we we were thankful that we were safe but we were also a little empty thinking well we're we fled our calling we've left our field that afternoon we called the church on a zoom meeting and explained the situation and As they were looking to me for some sort of word of leadership, I I just wept. I just cried. I had nothing to give. We were in Finland in the nation also of Estonia for about a week, and we got an airplane, and we we were able to make it back to the States. And and I went to our mother-in-law's house, and I sat on the bed, and I, I was like, I got my family out. I got them home. I got them safe. And I just kind of stopped right there. I just kind of collapsed a bit I began to feel a wound growing in my heart a wound that was so deep in my soul I would go to church and I would go to the altar and I would pray and I would weep and I would say God help me get through this help me get through this and I would feel the Holy Ghost and I would feel the presence of God as it would it would fall upon me and it would just kind of fill up that wound and drain out I would I would leave church and go to my car and just kind of cry again. I I was so wounded and I was so hurt. I had felt that God had called me into a situation that was not to my advantage, but in a situation that I was becoming more and more wounded and more and more crippled as I was trying to do my best. That resulted in many early morning prayer meetings where I would go before God and, and beg him to heal me, beg him to make me emotionally right, spiritually right, that I would be okay with what had happened to me, that I could overcome all of these emotions and these feelings that I had. One morning, I remember very clearly asking God, saying, what is it that I should do? How am I going to get beyond my wounds? And I remember so clearly the leading of the Holy Ghost, the voice of God in my heart saying, now is the time to work. Now is the time to get out of your pity party. Now is the time to get out of your feeling sorry for yourself, to get out of your wounded sickbed. And it's time to look at your field. It's time to look at the weeds that are overgrowing your ministry. It's time to look at the darkness and the crumbling of your home. It's time to look at what is more important than your wounds, and that is your calling. And he was saying the only way that you can get over this wound in your soul is it's time to get to work for my kingdom. God would want it to give me a revelation that was greater, that something was greater than my wound. Something was greater than my pain. Something was greater. 
greater than my feeling of lostness. And that was my calling in my election in Christ Jesus our Lord. He became greater than my wound on that day. He became greater than my loss on that day. He became greater than any pain I had went through because he met me in my valley of despair. He met me in my weakness and said, you are still able to work. You are still able to be useful. Let me tell you something, church. Your wounds do not discredit you. They do not disqualify you. But on the contrary, they prepare you for a meeting with God that is exceptional and it is extraordinary and it is transformative. Your wound makes room for God in your life. I didn't understand. You may be seated. I didn't understand the pain I was going through. I didn't understand the hurt of why I was going through these things. I thought, well, my ministry could be over after this. I thought my life could be over after this. I went, I went to a, an Ohio missions rally, and I was there, and, and people were, were coming up to me, and they were patting me on the back saying, Brother, we've been praying for you. We're glad you made it out. And I, I was sitting there, and I, I was just feeling sorry for myself. They were patting me on the back, and I was saying, Please don't do that. See, my flesh doesn't like sympathy. I don't want people to feel sorry for me. I want, I, no missionary wants to come back and say, I, I, I ran with my tail between my legs. I'm just being transparent with you. That's how I felt in that moment. And God checked me. And he said, he said, don't you know what these people are doing for you? He said, they are attracted to your wound. And so they're praying for you. He said, there are people that you don't even know who have heard about what has happened. They are praying for you and they are seeking God for you and I am blessing you because of their prayers. They're not attracted to talent. They're not attracted to title, but they're attracted to the wound that you are experiencing right now. And he said, don't you realize that I am in turn blessing those who are praying for my wounded child? He said, so the, the wound that was in my life began to multiply the blessing of God. The wound that was, I was feeling and I was going through, it was, it was reaching. It was reaching so many people and God's blessing was filling that up. Those cracks that were in my heart, that was what God was trying to say. I'm filling those cracks. He said, you're the earthen vessel. I'm the great treasure. And I, he was teaching me that he will do anything to get out of my flesh. Let me talk to you. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and 7. Paul said, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. That the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. He said, you've got something great inside you, but God will do whatever it takes to break out of that. To break out of your flesh, to break out of your stronghold, to break through pride, to break through ego. He said, because it's, it's the Holy Ghost that gets you through, not your flesh. It's the Holy Ghost that strengthens you, not that exterior, not that veneer that you present to the world. But he said, God is going to be so much greater than any wound you've ever experienced. That's why Paul went on to write, 
He said, we are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not forsaken. We are cast down, but not destroyed. Why? Because my treasure is greater than my flesh. My treasure is greater than my wound. The Holy Ghost is more powerful than anything that I've ever been through. God was trying to teach me that he was not minimizing my wounds, but he was magnifying himself in my life. We as the church, we hide from our wounds and we think that our wounds are, are, are stumbling blocks on the way to God, but in reality, they're boosts. They're pressing us closer and closer to God. God was teaching me that there were some blessings I could not receive without a wound. That's hard, that's the next step. The first step, most people can get with, I'm wounded that God can still use me. People can get with that. I understand. But it's harder to get with, God wounds you for a purpose. That's hard. But it's true. Genesis 32 and 9. This is where Jacob was, was on the, the side of the Jordan River and he'd sent half of his family ahead of him. And he, he was going to send them to Esau and if half of them died, well, that was the price he was willing to pay. He'd still have half a family left. And he prays a prayer of desperation. He says, oh, God of my father, Abraham and God of my father, Isaac, the Lord, which said unto me, return into thy country and to thy kindred and I will do well with thee. Oh, I've prayed that prayer. I'm not worthy of the least of all the mercies and of all the truth which thou hast shown unto thy servant. For with my staff I passed over this Jordan, and now I am become two bands. And very simply, he says, deliver me, I pray thee, from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him, lest he will come and smite me and the mother with the children. He was saying, God... Deliver me. And what did God do? He sent him an angel. But it, it wasn't a fear not angel. It wasn't a rise and eat angel. I, I like that angel. It was an angel that wrestled. It was that wrestling angel that grabbed the hold of Jacob and wrestled him until he was bruised and he was broken. And he had a limp for the rest of his life. And I, you know, I thought, God, that seems so cruel. Why? Why would you do that to a man who sincerely prayed, deliver me? It's good to ask God the tough questions because he gives the right answers. And in all humbleness, God gave me this word. He said, I wounded Jacob. Because a wounded Israel is better than a whole Jacob. A wounded Israel is better than a whole Jacob. 
He was saying, a man who has been wounded by my hand can bear my blessing. But a man who is nothing but flesh, he's not going to amount to much in the end. He said, I have been blessing every effort of Jacob. When he deceived his father, it was flesh. When he deceived this person, it was flesh. When he was the surplanter, he was flesh. And he said, and God said, I blessed every effort of his flesh. But that kind of man could not hold the title Israel. That kind of man could not hold the true, powerful, life-changing blessings of God. And so he said, I had to wound him so he could hold on to the blessing. Let me tell you something. God is looking for somebody to hold on to a blessing that is greater than them, that is greater than their talent, that is greater than their strength, that is greater than their wealth. He's looking for somebody that will be able to hold on even when they're wounded and hold on to the blessing that is greater than them. Gone is the day of the talented church, but it has to be the church that is wounded and blessed beyond measure. Your flesh can only take so much, and God can only bless so much, but he needs a somebody who says they can take a wound and still be blessed. On the other side of the river was a repented and a changed Esau. And a fleshly Jacob couldn't deal with that. But a wounded Israel could. Let me tell you, there is a repenting world who has seen what is happening all around them. And they're getting afraid. And they don't need to see a fleshly Jacob coming across the river. But they need to see a wounded Israel coming home and trying to bless their lost brother. We think we're, you can be seated. You think we're going to go into heaven with not an issue on our bodies, with not an affliction. We think we're going to get up there and the hairspray's still going to be glistening and we're just walking in saying, I have arrived. But no, we're going to walk in with scars. We're going to walk in with wounds. We're going to walk on with the pain that has been applied to us on this earth. But it's going to be the sign that we've been used. It's going to be the sign that we have been wounded. Oh, but we're working. That we are precious in the hand of God. That we have been transformed by his hand, by his pressing, by his pushing on our life. That's the power of being able to be working while you are wounded. Jacob needed a miracle and a transformation, but it had to be through a wound. It had to be through the pain of his experience and of being able to seek God even through it. Hallelujah. Oh, I'm not trying to say I'm the only one that's been wounded. There are so many people in this place that have been wounded. I, I'm going to say everybody gets wounded and I won't doubt what my words are. Everybody has been wounded. Everybody has went through some things, but where is your wound going to take you? I've been wounded in church. I've been wounded by family. I've been wounded by the hand of God. I'm not going to go away. 
I'm not going to find a sick bed and curl up into it and just let myself be covered up. Saying, don't look at me. Church hurt me too bad. Preachers hurt me too bad. Families hurt me too bad. That's not what it's about. But it's about letting that wound come forth and letting the blessings of God flow through that wound and let your wounds become a portal for the working of the Spirit of God and say, because I'm wounded, I will not destroy my brother. Because I am wounded, I will listen to the voice of God. Because I am wounded, I will bear any anointing because he has chosen me to be wounded. And there's another level. There's another level. When... After you have been wounded, you know you have finally made it. When you can rejoice in the fact that you have been wounded. That's even harder. 2 Corinthians 12 and 7. Unless I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations... There was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me. Paul said, I've been wounded and I want it gone. I don't want this anymore in my life. And he prayed three times, God, get this out of my life. And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. And what does he say? Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. He was saying, my revelation is more important than my health. The anointing of God is more important than my wounds. And he's saying, I will go through anything that I may receive more of Christ. And every time he looked at a scar, every time he looked at his brokenness, every time he looked at his wound, that was another remembrance of what God had done for him of another message that changed the world was put into him. Another anointing, another healing, another power was put onto him. And he got to a point when every time he became wounded, he didn't, he didn't mope and he didn't throw a pity party, but he said, now I can rejoice, for with my wounding comes a greater anointing. With my pain comes another revelation. Let me tell you, you better love this doctrine more than you love your health. You better love the revelation of Jesus' name, baptism, more than you love your wounds. You better love what God has put into you more than you love status and fame and wealth. But you better say, I will glory in my infirmities so that God can be greater in my life. 
I don't say that lightly, but I say it under the conviction of the Holy Ghost. His truth, His revelation is greater than my wounds. I will rejoice in the fact that I am weak, either from the world or from His hand. For that is my power. I won't go back. I cannot go back to the time before I was wounded because I could not receive what Christ had for me. I don't just live with the wounds, but I rejoice in them. That's hard. It's the way it will of God. It's the will of God. I'll be honest with you. I have, I've preached this message before and I have said those words and I have went home and my chest had started hurting and beating and, I, and the voice of the enemy says, now you're going to die. You're going to get what you preach. What about you? But I stand here before you today his revelation is greater than my wounds. You hear that enemy? His revelation is greater than my wounds. His spirit is greater than my pain. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. For I will glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ will rest upon me. There ain't no wound greater than my God. There ain't no loss greater than my God. There's no pain greater than my God. you to stand with me while these while everyone's still praying keep praying I got to give the next level or it's not over there's one more layer Luke 23 and 39 Jesus on the cross and one of the malefactors which were hanged railed on him saying, if thou be Christ, save thyself and us. I didn't understand for a long time what the problem with that was. I'm hurt, God. Heal me. But this man on the cross was really saying that. I say this under the humility of the Holy Ghost. He was saying, get me off my cross and heal me. At any cost. 
He was saying, I will do anything to feel better. I will do anything to get rid of my wounds. If, I, if it's belief, I'll believe. Just get me healed. If it's mocking you, I'll mock you. How many voices say, I'll leave the church if I feel better. I'll leave my calling if it'll just take away the pain. He was the, one of the closest people to Christ in the moment of redemption. And he threw it away for a little bit of healing. Just a little bit of relief. The other of those said, Dost thou not fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest to thy kingdom. He said, I'm so close now. I'm in such met, so much pain now. Even if my wounds kill me, let me be closer. Let me be closer. Where will your wound take you? Both men were wounded. One saw it as an opportunity to get closer to Christ, while the other said, I've had enough. And Jesus' answer was the miracle. He said, Verily I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. You have to understand this thief on the cross, he was between two covenants. He was, he had transgressed Moses' law. He was hanging on a tree. He was cursed. He hadn't been baptized in Jesus' name nor filled with the Holy Ghost. There was no redemption for him. But because while he was wounded, he said, I'm going to get closer to my Lord. Jesus said, I'm going to make an exception for you. And he wrote a new covenant, a covenant on that cross. This one will be saved. That tells me that there were exceptions made for a man who will not abandon his cross because he wants to be closer to Jesus. Exceptions. Exceptional miracle. Exceptional redemption. Exceptional revival. Where will your wound take you? Yeah, I've been wounded. So have you. But God's so much greater. Eternity is so much greater. Our futures and our callings are so much greater. The anointing, this Holy Ghost, is so much greater. How can I let a wound take me out of commission? Oh, I've been wounded. Oh, but I'm working. I'm working. Because he's so much greater. Again, I'm not making your pain smaller. I'm just saying God is greater. 
so much greater. Pray with me tonight.
Amen. Why don't you reach over and pray for somebody close to you right now? You don't have to know their situation. You don't have to know their circumstances. But everybody's got wounds. Everybody's had times where they've hurt, where they've been hurt. Nobody is exempt from the trials and the tests of life. Bible commands us to pray one for another. So why don't we do that right now? God, I pray for my brothers, my sisters, my church family. God, I pray that you give them strength and help and hope. I'm asking you, God, to let your anointing, the oil of your presence, be a medicine, be a healing balm for somebody's Spirit for somebody's mind and heart. Oh God, let your presence do its work. Let your anointing do its work, God. Let your spirit do its work here, Lord, in Jesus' name. Come on, let's pray. The Holy Ghost is doing a work in somebody. I'll tell you like I did a couple of Sunday mornings ago. You may not need this message right now but you're going to need it at some point thank you Lord thank you Jesus thank you Jesus thank you Lord Jesus thank you Lord Jesus thank you Lord Jesus thank you Lord Jesus Thank you, Brother Stumbo, for preaching to us. Can you let Brother Stumbo know how much you appreciate him being willing to bear his heart to us? Amen. He asked a powerful question at the end of his message when he asked, where will your wound take you? Will you let your wounds drive you away from God and get angry and bitter at God? Or what, will you let your wounds drive you towards God? That's a powerful question. How many people have you seen get hurt by somebody? Maybe it's a, a family issue. Maybe it's a, a, a marriage issue. Maybe it's whatever the issue might be. And that issue, you've watched them and they've driven further and further from God. Have you ever seen that? We've all seen it. And then we've, on the flip side, we've seen people get hurt and develop a prayer life like they'd never had before. Develop.